Good morning, Gateway Church. It's great to be with you again, and I hope that we'll have a good time of worship and study together in God's Word. Uh, just a couple of announcements as we begin. The Operation Christmas Child boxes are due back today. We are taking uh, the boxes over to the um, receiving center this afternoon, and so we need to have them here by today. If by some chance you haven't turned your box in and you're worshiping from home and you still want to do that, you have two choices. One, you can get it to us the first thing on Monday morning here at the office, anytime after 7 o'clock, or you can take it yourself to one of the distribution centers. You can uh, look up online to Operation Christmas Child. They'll tell you where you can um, receive, where they'll be receiving the boxes, and you can take it to them. But thank you for all your help. It's great to see the boxes here in the front of the church. It's been an encouragement to be able to have this ministry in the lives of others. We will be having a Thanksgiving service on Tuesday evening uh, on November 24th at 7.30. We welcome you to come. We will be social distancing. We will be wearing masks. And also, we will be um, not passing a microphone around like we typically do so that we can hear everybody's praises. We do want you to come with an offering of thanks to God, and we will just use our voices and hear the best that we can. Uh, the offering is to God and not to each other anyway, but we want to be encouraged. We'll have a time of prayer, and then we'll head on our way. But if you would like to be a part of that offering, of a Thanksgiving offering to God on Tuesday evening, November 24th, please join us. Our prayer meetings are midweek at uh, 7 o'clock here at the church. Um, we meet down in the basement. We also um, have those that join us via Zoom. If you would like a Zoom um, invitation, please make sure that you... Let the office know so that we can have your email address and that you would like that invitation. Uh, Sunday morning at 9.15, we meet in the back of the church in order to pray and ask God's blessing on the day. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, we do need your help and support. We have not been passing the offering plate. There is a box in the back of the church that uh, is there for you to help us uh, by placing your offerings there. Um, but you can also go on our webpage and give via the page for giving. Um, you can use your bank's bill pay or you can just send a check to Gateway Church, uh, 50 Walcott Road, Levittown, New York, 11756. Let's begin this morning with a word of prayer. Father, I give you thanks for the privilege of worshiping with you and for you and to you this morning. We ask, Father, that this morning as we take a look at the need for gentleness, a gentleness that was shown to us in Jesus Christ. I pray that our hearts might be tuned to sing of your praise and of your grace. I pray, Father, we would be ready to hear your word and your message. And we give to you this morning of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning. Uh, I'd like to turn to the word for just a time now. Uh, I don't know how the pandemic is still affecting you, but uh, way back at the beginning, there were no sports. Uh, they were really telling us to stay at home. And so in order to find some way to occupy a little bit of my free time, uh, I turned back to that age-old practice of doing jigsaw puzzles. I ordered one online and began to put it together. And then my daughter uh, found this uh, online group of jigsaw puzzles that we could work on together as a family from different parts. And so we started to do that. And the thing that was interesting was that um, I just don't have this desire to work on the hard parts. 
I like the places where there's bold colors, where there's distinct lines and start to put those things together. But my daughter's not afraid to work on the hard parts. If there's a big patch of white sky or a big patch of blue ocean, she'll put those together first and get them out of the way. And um, it just was fun to do that. But when it comes to the Christian life, uh, we are a lot like that. We have a tendency to want to work on the easy stuff and some of us will leave the hard stuff go. And God wants us to do it all so that we have a complete picture of what the Christian life is all about. And this morning what I want to do is, is look at what I consider one of the hard parts of the Christian life. And after I tell you what it is, you may say, well, why is that such a hard part? Because it seems so nice and so crucial. But the reality is, is there are not many of us that work on it on a very regular basis. And I want to present it to you because we are in the midst of a pandemic. We are post-election where people are crying for some sense of normalcy. And yet people are still calling for a little bit of edge and a little bit of violence. And it's just time to, to seek for peace. And then we've also got winter coming upon us in the holidays. Uh, a need to tune our hearts to sing the grace of God. And I hope this message will help to get us there. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's interesting that the result of this is to be in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, you may ask, what is it that's hard about this? And I want you to just take a look at these three things that are at the beginning of the scripture. In verse 4, it says, a command, rejoice in the Lord always, not just sometimes, not just when you get up in the morning and the sun's shining, but on the rainy days, on the hard days, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. And Paul, the Apostle Paul has given us this pathway to that joy in knowing who Jesus is and letting him have a work in our lives. But it's a command, and nobody likes to be told to be happy. Nobody likes to be told, because we have this sense that you just don't understand what's going on in my mind, but it's a command of God. And I don't know how many of you work on joy in your heart and joy in your life. And as we come to Thanksgiving and as we come to Christmas, there's no greater gift that you could give to your Lord and give to others than to be a person of joy and a person that uses joy to get to the pathway of peace. The last thing that's in these three things here is, is that we're not to be anxious about anything. And we have a tendency to let anxiety build up in us and the same thing, we don't like people saying, oh, don't be anxious. But that's exactly what Paul's saying in the, in the letter here. He's saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, take it to the Lord in prayer and get rid of it. Sandwiched in between the two of them is let your gentleness be evident to all. And this is where I want to spend some time today because I'm just convinced that it's what the Church of Jesus Christ needs. I'm convinced it's what our uh, culture needs. Uh, by the way, speaking of hard things to do, I want to just reflect for a minute on what Pastor Caleb spoke on last week. He spoke about repentance. And as I reflected on his message, um, I re realized that repentance is one of those hard things to do. Confession is easy to do. We're told if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And repentance, though, is the harder part of the whole package. 
And you can't just get down on your knees in prayer and say, God, I repent. It's a word of action, and it's a word that exists over time that shows that you have turned from your wicked ways and have embraced the things that God wants you to do. And so when it comes to gentleness, God wants some of us to repent of our hatred, to repent of our hard ways and our seeking of justice when justice belongs to God. And I want to explore this path of justice and this path of peace this morning as gentleness will lead to it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Philippians 4, verse 5. And so here's where we're going to go with this. We want to unpack the pathway to gentleness. And I'm going to just give you a place to start. Um, I had a dream this week uh, that was one of those borderline dreams, troubling dreams. You could call it almost a bad dream. But I had agreed to do this charity walk, and we were told to just go and follow these signs that were painted on the road. And so as I began to walk, I got about um, maybe a quarter mile into it, and the signs disappeared. It's really hard to go someplace when you can't figure out where you're going. And so I want to give you a pathway to gentleness. I want to give you a pathway that might help to lead to peace in your holiday seasons, a peace in your post-election trauma, a way to peace in the midst of your pandemic and all the stress that comes with it and the anxiety that's packed with it. We want to let our, je our gentleness be evident to all. And the first thing is, is you need to have compassion for others. And the word compassion is, is just a means to look at others and to feel with them, uh, to try to understand them and realize what is it that they're going through that makes them who they are and has put them in the predicament that they're in. And before you even begin, you know that they've got the same problem you have, and that is that you were born into sin and that you have sinned, and this sin is having its impact on your life. And so in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How do you view the crowd? How do you view the community around you? How do you view the people that are in the store with you? No one likes to go shopping during the Christmas season with all the crowds because everybody is in your way when you need to accomplish a certain task and get a certain thing done. But Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. Have you tried to look through your eyes at the people that you rub against and the people you meet during the course of a week and say, I wonder what's going on with them. To even before you open your mouth and speak to them, to offer a word of prayer for them because you know that just like you had struggles and stresses during the course of the week, they did too. But Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And Jesus would go on in this passage to say, it's this reason that I tell you this, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Beautiful prayer. If you feel alone in the Christian work, one of the most obvious things that you need to be praying for is, is God, send me somebody that will walk alongside me and help me to accomplish the task you've given me to do. And so if you want to understand gentleness, and the reason why you should show gentleness to others is one of the first things that you need to do is, is have compassion for them. Stop long enough to consider their predicament, to consider their problems and their issues. And one of the things that's interesting is, is whether it's pastoral ministry or church ministry, sometimes you can grow weary of the predicaments of people. But Jesus still had compassion for them. 
Even when he was on the cross, he was showing compassion to the thieves that were around him and to the followers that had gathered at his feet and to the mother that had borne him and raised him. Compassion for the people that were along the road when he gave words of warning and words of comfort both to them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And if you want to be a gentle person, you need to learn to have compassion on the people around you. The next step is, is that God says, don't let it stop with compassion. God says he wants us to have a deep concern for others. Uh, nobody knows the full extent of what goes on in your mind, but that's where you live your life, especially when you're away from other people. And as a matter of fact, you're living that life right now as you sit here and listen to this message this morning. There are some of you that have this whole slew of thoughts that are racing through your mind. And in that mind and in those thoughts, you have a choice of what you can do. Are those concerns all about you? Or do they ever embrace the need to help others? And God, through his writers of scripture, has asked us, and through the example that Jesus has set, to have a deep concern for others. And so in Luke, we find this statement on what we celebrate as the triumphal entry when we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ following his death. It says in Luke 19 that as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, presenting himself as a king and a savior to them, it says that he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions with people during this election season, and it happens every election season. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Uh, there are always people that are happy with the results and people that are bothered by the results. But we tend to look at the people that don't agree with us as what on earth is the matter with them? Why is it that they can't see the things the way that I see them? And when you have a deep concern for others, a concern, and let me just stop for a minute and ask you this question. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, and I want you to know why he wept over it, because that will help you to understand. But have you ever gotten to the place, when was the last time when you were on your knees in prayer and you were so concerned for somebody else that you wept before God for them? Like Jesus seeing the city. And this is deep concern. Uh, I have wept over my children. I have wept over people that I love for, and I have wept over the church of Jesus Christ, but not often enough. And so it is. The reason is, is that he says, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And that's exactly the problem that we see in the nation that is around us, is, is that people just don't get the hope that is there in Jesus Christ, and they don't understand what is there for them. Their eyes are blinded to it. And because of that blindness, does it break your heart and give you a deep concern for them or is it just, what on earth is the matter with them? If you want something to lead to gentleness, you need to ask God to make your heart a heart that loves people deeply. I like the way that Peter puts it. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, in other words, you've embraced the truth of the gospel, you've claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've seen what he's done, you see what he did on the cross, but you 
now that by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. So God says, let your concern for others, let your compassion dwell in your mind. Let it, in, let it fill your mind. We have been in the process of, of a church, as a church, of seeking to re-embrace a love for the community around us that would make us desire more than anything else to, than to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To accept and embrace the mission that God has given to us. And one of the ways it could happen better than anything else is, is that deeply in our hearts and in our minds and in the thoughts that we have, we would begin to have that compassion and that concern for others. To love one another deeply from the heart. And so if you want your gentleness to be evident to all, you need to have compassion for others. If you want your gentleness to be evident to all, you need to have a deep concern for others. And now there's perhaps one of the most basic things in all of Scripture. You need to love those around you. Uh, the New Testament, uh, following on the footsteps of the Old Testament, doesn't leave any room for doubt about the priority of love. Uh, Jesus answered the question of the Pharisees, what's the greatest commandment? Well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus, in his words to his disciples, uh, would set the standard for that love, not down here, but up here. He said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you've got to think about that for a few minutes. Uh, who is it that you're willing to die for? Who is it that you're willing to lay down your life for? We ask this of our soldiers. We ask this of anybody who has the ability to help anybody in any dire situation. But Jesus said, this was the standard of love that I've given to you. Love each other as I have loved you. And greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. The sad reality about adding love to our lives should be one of the first fruits of the spirit that wells up inside of us when God begins to work within us. Is, is that we always think that as long as we love a little bit better than the person next to us, then we're okay. But Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus says you need to love each other as I have loved you. And so when you come and sit and worship and evaluate your life and, and ask God what it is he wants of you, um, know this, that that's the standard of love that he has set. And if our nation would have this attitude, if the church of Jesus Christ would have this attitude that greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, and that my standard of love is Jesus, that we need to love each other as I have loved you, it would send us on the path to gentleness. And that gentleness would lead to peace. And then finally, compassion for others, a deep concern for others, a love for those around us. We need to exhibit grace in the midst of failure. There is no one that has not failed. There is no one that has lived a perfect life other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this failure and we expect and hope that other people will show grace toward us. And what God has told us is, is I will show grace to you and I hope that one of the great things that you'll do is, is offer that grace to others. I want you to be my instruments in letting that grace be known. Because people will fail you, people will hurt you, people will harm you. Will you show grace 
when other people fail. And in Psalm 103, the Old Testament puts it this way, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Um, this is a call to the standard of grace that God has given to us. This passage goes on to say that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And are you willing to try to put the transgressions of others far away from you? Or do you let them well up within you? It's one of the things that will lead to anger. It will lead to harshness. It will lead to all the things that are not a part of gentleness. And God has said, we need to let our gentleness be evident to all. The standard has been given to us by the Lord. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. Are you slow to anger? Are you abounding in love? And have you allowed other sins to be put far from you? In Galatians chapter 6, it says, let's not be weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Don't grow weary on this pathway of grace. Don't grow weary in helping others and in being gentle with others. Uh, we sometimes think that people don't deserve our gentleness. Well, this is the bottom line. We didn't deserve the gentleness of Jesus Christ. The Jesus who hanging on the cross would say to the thief that had ridiculed him and mocked him that today you'll be with me in paradise. The Jesus that would pray on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Even though they have done such great harm to me, they have mocked me, they've ridiculed me, they have nailed me to this tree. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I don't hear a lot of people using that standard to show grace to others. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It seems to be the repeated phrase over and over again that they know exactly what they're doing. And they deserve whatever's coming to them. And I hope they get it all. And that's the anger that burns in America. That's the anger that burns in the world that causes these tribal units, whether they're gangs or whether they're societies or whether they're philosophical beliefs or political beliefs to rise up in violence. Uh, nobody gives concern. You see, the people that go down after they're angry and in their protest turn to looting. They have no compassion for the shop owners. They have no compassion for America. They have no compassion for those that are truly hurting. They just want their way like a spoiled child. But the church... It's all about Jesus. And if Jesus could go to the cross and if he could show grace to others, so it is that we should show grace to one another. It's interesting that uh, in these scriptures that we've looked at this morning, uh, they all reflect what God tells us to do in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God operates under the assumption that if we've been moved by his grace, if we have been touched by what he has done for us, we're going to be able to show that to others. And so how do we begin walking down this pathway? I've shown you some of the markers that you need to look for. We need to look for the marker of compassion and ask, do we have compassion for others? Are we thinking of their needs before our own? We need to 
have a deep concern for others. When you are all alone and in your thoughts, is it all about you or is it about others? When we think of our love for others, is the standard that we've set the love of Jesus Christ or is it the love that we think is just good enough to get us by? And then finally, are we able to show grace to others that have failed us and the failures all around us? Uh, when there is a child, there's some things and that we try to teach them early on. And so they come to us and they say they're bored. And you say to them, my goodness, um, what could possibly be to be bored? Look at everything that you have. But it's the responsibility of the parent to teach the child how to take joy in what is around them and what they have. And to learn to overcome this thing called boredom that seems to overtake everybody. And you can model that to your kids. And so that's the opposite of the rejoicing is this boredom and this bitterness and all the rest that goes with it. And then are you anxious? We try to calm our child's spirits by saying to them, uh, let's pray about that. Or God is big enough to take care of your problems and he's watching over you. You're going to be sleeping tonight, but God doesn't sleep and he'll be caring for you. But sandwiched in between these two concerns, we want our children to learn to be gentle. Uh, I'm not sure I got that clear of a message. My parents modeled it, but they were so, you know, they so much wanted you to be able to stand up for who you were. And today that is the big message. Everybody has to fight for their rights and everybody has to fight for who they are. But God comes along and he says, I want you to serve as a gentle servant, others. And so it is that um, I just want you to realize that let God's spirit have his way in you and his word have his way in you. And if you've had a hard heart this week, if you have a heart that's not ready to serve God with gentleness in the holiday season that's coming upon us, or in the post-election season that we've just been through, or in the midst of this pandemic that just wears on and on and on, would you just bow your head with me this morning and ask God to restore gentleness within you? And if it's not a restoration, could he give it to you for the first time? Uh, I love people that are gentle. I love people that will show kindness to me that I don't deserve and, and just be there. Uh, I, it was the love of my mother for me. I remember the times that she gently held me when I was hurting and when I needed it. And we do that with our children, but we are so hard with so many others. And some of us are too hard with our children. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Bible tells us it's the fruit of the Spirit. And all of these things that surround our discussion of it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they're all born of God's Spirit into us. Ask God's Spirit to come upon you and anoint you in the ministry of gentleness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of hearing your word this morning. And Lord, we realize that uh, there are some times when we get angry. There are some times when we're personally convinced that hardness is the way to go because we need to stand our ground and not let people hurt us. But Father, you're the one that has told us that gentleness will pave the way to peace. And many of us, Father, I believe, are lacking in peace in our personal lives and in the relationships around us because we fail to be gentleness. We give as well as we get, and we're not afraid to take a verbal swing or to hurt others with the things that we do and the things that we say. 
I pray, Father, that we would surrender to the example of your son. I pray that we would surrender to the mission of gentleness that you've given us. Not an option, not an easy part of the puzzle of the Christian life, but one that we need to work on. And Father, I commit this prayer to you this morning. Change our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.